Hi, it's Jessica Steinberg, and this week we're going to have something a little different on what matters now, following up on one of our most successful Times Visual podcasts from last summer. At the time, I spoke to two Israeli counselors working at Camp Ramon in the Poconos. We talked about what it's like to enter this very American Jewish institution, talking about the American-Israeli cultural divide, along with what they each learned about Judaism, people, and their own lives throughout the experience. This time around, I'm coming off another summer at camp, and I spoke with Ishai McGilner, another Israeli recruit to Camp Ramah, whose late grandfather, Rabbi David McGilner, was a very beloved director here, and whose late father also worked at camp. That was Eitan McGilner. We'll hear what he has to say about following in his family's footsteps this very same summer camp. Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality they make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. So I'm here with Yishai McGillner. He goes by Yishai and Yishai. And for the purposes of our conversation, I think we'll do Yishai. And we are sitting here in a bunk at Camp Ramon the Poconos. He is a 19-year-old staff member here at camp working in Omanut in arts and crafts. He'll tell us more about what he does there, working with all ages, and lives in a bunk of campers who are 11 years old for the most part. So... Welcome to you, Ishai. Welcome. Hello. And as I did last summer, I like to talk to Israeli staff members who are at camp. And a lot of Israeli staff members go to lots of different summer camps around the United States. I'm a person who comes to camp from on the Poconos, and so therefore I'm most familiar with the Mishlacha, with the Israeli staff who come to work at Ramah Poconos. And we're going to talk a little bit about what is Ishai's particular connection to this Camp Ramah and what camp has been like. So Ishai, I would love to first hear from you what made you want to come to a Jewish summer camp in the United States and what made you want to come to Ramah Poconos? Uh, Okay, so as you can probably hear by my accent, I'm American. Um, I have a connection to camp um, as my last name, Mogilner, is known around, I guess. Um, My grandfather, um, David Mogilner, um, used to run the camp, was a director, right? And he uh, passed away tragically. And then he was very revered around camp for the years to come. It's almost 50 years since. There is the staff lounge here in Ramayana Poconos is called Beit Mogilner in his name. Um, I remember visiting here around 11 years ago. It was 2012. And 
Um, there's a bunch of photos of me running around. We're right now in one of the guest houses, which is one of the places where I stayed. And it's a very, very surreal experience to just be in one of them right now, which is really cool. <laughs> so uh, I'm 19. I came through the Jewish agency and through a gap year program that I was taking in Israel. I was taking a gap year program uh, through the Hartman Institute that um, includes Jewish Americans and Israelis living together in Jerusalem and learning together. Um, and through there, we have a, we have connections with the Sukhnut, with the Jewish agency, um, to go be a mishlacha, to go be an Israeli um, working in summer camps. And right away, my mom told me, my grandma told me, you should really go to Poconos. There hasn't been a Mugilner there in around 20 years and working or being there the entire summer. Um, so I decided to go. I told them how much I wanted to be in the Poconos and I and I got in. That's That's how I got here. Right. So just to clarify, when an Israel, a young Israeli, either before the army, like Yishai, or after the army, like many of the other staff members, wants to come and work at a Ramah summer camp, there's usually sort of a choice. And they can also ask, like Yishai did, uh, to come to a particular one where they might have a connection. Just to broaden that connection about David McGillner, about your grandfather, um, my sister, my sister Sarah, uh, was a young staff member the summer that he actually very tragically, had a heart attack at camp. And it was a very, very difficult moment for camp. But more than that, because he was such a beloved director and had really given a direction for the camp for many years, is why there is still this very deep connection to the McGillner family. There is this, as Yishai was saying, Bate McGillner, the McGillner house, so to speak, which is staff offices and a staff lounge. There's a McGillner baseball game, softball game that is played uh, every year, the last week of camp between the oldest campers from Gesher against staff members. And these are things that really carry on the McGillner ga- n- name. And then to have a McGillner in camp again is uh, is quite a thing. Moving on from that, Ishai, I, wanted, I want to know, what were you looking for out of this summer? Besides reconnecting to this camp that has meant so much to your family, what did you want as a, yes, you are... You have American heritage, but you're someone who grew up in Israel. And that creates this dual identity, but you're an Israeli guy. You're an Israeli person. So what did you want out of this summer? It, well, it's, it's a couple of things. I think one thing is um, to have some sort of a, a deeper connection with conservative Judaism. Um, I still grew up on very uh, varying pillars of conservative Judaism, but in Israel it's... A, you don't have a lot of it. There's very specific places, specific towns who are known for having conservative Judaism. But in general, throughout the entirety of Israel, it's not that very apparent. I grew up modern Orthodox, I would say, going to an Orthodox synagogue. Um, my dad used to, every kiddush, kiddush or every time I went to sleep, hearing the Shema, stuff like that, it will always be incorporating stuff from camp which is very very interesting to come to camp and hear all these melodies that i grew up um, with and i didn't have anybody around me to have the same experience as me except my family um so that, so that is one of them and um, i've been very enjoying very much enjoying praying here in, in the conservative way and various stuff like that 
How Jewish does it feel here at Camp Ramah? It feels very Jewish being here. It's it's sort of getting, I remember getting here w- w- with the van with the other Israelis and getting to camp and you sort of enter this bubble and you start seeing Hebrew all around. And I and I know it, it felt very, very surreal. It's not my first time experiencing being around American Jews. It's a very, very different experience having um, people that for them being Jewish is not Muvan uh, Melav is what we say in Hebrew, but it's I guess obvious will be the best way uh, way to say it. In Israel, you don't have to be an observant Jew completely. You're still in a Jewish state. Here, um, I applaud the people that come here and the people, some of my campers, when I'm with them in Tfilot and praying and they're fully in it and they want to lead and we're all singing together, It's I, I applaud them so much for their hard work here um just in general keeping their their identity um so strong so then you are also part of the mishlachat the 40 member israeli group of israeli staff members who come from israel who come to the states who most of them have never been to this camp some of them have never been to the united states before and many of them do not come from observant backgrounds. They're Israeli, as you say, they're Jewish, but they are not familiar with American Jewry like you might be. So what's it been like for you to be part of that group and to have this McGillner name? They see Beit McGillner, and then they say, Yishai, your last name is McGillner. What's all that been like for you? In general, this experience has been one of the most interesting, amazing experiences of my life. And a part of it is the fact that I'm Israeli, but I'm so familiar with being maybe around Americans, conservative Judaism and so on. Um, it made me feel very in the middle and very connected to both sides. I can fully understand both sides of an equation um, completely. In the start, I haven't, I haven't really, I was not very loud about being a Mogilner. Mm. I think the Americans knew, some Americans, there's still staff members that go up to me from the more um, older side that they remember or their parents remember my my family and they tell me these really cool and fascinating stories about my family and that that has been an amazing experience on its own. With Mishlachat, I was it, it was Mishpachat especially that I didn't want to say it because I felt embarrassed a bit um, to come up and say it, it feels like I come up and when I say it I say I have a leg upon you or I'm somehow better and it made me feel awkward because I don't feel that way and it feels like bragging saying oh I, I know much more about this camp and I will be much better and I w- won't struggle because Israelis there is a culture shock very different people in the way we act to one another the way we speak um, the way we handle um, problems and s- situations and I think I didn't realize how first of all how Israeli I am which was very very it was a very it, it, it's fascinating to me how much I feel the most Israeli I, ha- I have ever been while being in a Jewish summer camp 
my connection to Israel is stronger than ever from being here. Um, also, mastering both languages is another thing that, again, I'm a bit iffy about and I feel a bit weird about because I, I, I see my friends struggling with it and I can't feel their struggle and I feel... I don't want to say bad about it because then it just makes me feel worse about it. <laughs> But I like to help them out, I guess. It sounds... Yeah, I sound cocky. <laughs> Not at all. I get it. The struggle is real in, in a very real sense. Talk to me a little bit about some of the moments where you have felt more Israeli than ever or what makes you... What makes your identity feel even more pertinent here, Dafka here in this Jewish American summer camp. Can you think of any examples? I'm just going to add while you're thinking that Ishai works, uh, he works in arts and crafts, which is a, a big staff. Um, a lot of longtime adult staff members are in that, as well as Israeli staff members. Uh, there's woodworking, there's ceramics, there's beading. There's all the usual things that you'd find in a summer arts and craft. And you do, I know, a few things, including origami. And you live in a, in like as, as I said, in a bunk with 11-year-olds and other counselors. So I'd love to hear a few examples about what it's been like, if you can remember some examples of what it's been like to feel particularly Israeli here, or to talk about what has struck you in this experience that you've had of interacting both with American staff members who are your age and the campers. I feel... In general, um, while working here, uh, a specific struggle I was very um, I, I was dealing with a lot was um, handling critique. In Israel, critiques are very straightforward. Um, if if you're doing something wrong or if you're doing something a bit in a certain way that is not hi highly favored, you will be noted upon that right away, and it's. Less like that here. Sometimes you need to ask around. I remember asking my counselors uh, one night, and I felt weird about it. Coming up to them, coming up to them and saying, "Hey, am I doing? I'm I'm doing a good job, right? Um, is there? Do you have any pointers for me? Because I'm so regular for people noting if I'm doing something in a less like in a wrong way. That has been the main difficulty." Um, with my kids in the bunk, there's not necessarily any struggles I've had with them. I think also with that, Israelis are more, Israelis are less cautious, maybe with kids, not in a bad way. You're listening to this podcast. So I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning. Without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, 
to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. So you're saying that Israelis are less cautious with kids. And of course, we know that Israel is a place that very much values its its kids. Uh, it's a very kid-centric kind of country. I always say in my working world of arts and culture, there is no restaurant that does not welcome children. It could be the, the most high-end Michelin-starred like. We don't have a michelin star restaurant. But that kind of, you know, a chef-oriented restaurant and kids are welcome. So I think it's interesting what you're saying. There's a very high value placed on security and kids' welfare here in, at camp because we are all about the campers. And yet there's a different way that Americans and Israelis talk to, think about children. I think it's more about how we view sheltering kids from the outside world. I would rather prefer to talk with my kids and explain to them if they're wondering if they're not, of course, not in any shape or form um, explicit or stuff that are very not inappropriate. It's not about that. It's about if there is something that is hazardous, um, I, w- I don't want to go up and right away say, no, 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 don't do that and not have it explained first. I'm going to say, wait on that. I will explain the situation fully so they can understand what they're doing instead of just hearing a no in front of them. If if my kid is asking questions, I want to explain to them. I don't want to give them a straight answer of just because. Not saying that's the difference between American and Israelis. I'm just saying it's me. Do you ever find yourself interpreting, in a sense, situations for your fellow Israeli staff members and friends, given that you do come from, you do have somewhat of an American background, you never lived in the States, but you had an American parent, two parents, one parent is uh, is American, was American born. So do you ever find that you, you're sort of the translator, in a sense, for a situation or a scenario in camp? Has that happened at all? Um, yes, it happened. I don't want to say a lot, but it did hap- it happen multiple times. Sometimes it's, it's basic stuff of just language. If a person talks in English very fast, people are directing their heads towards me and, try- and trying to um, get, get an explanation out of me. Very basic stuff like that. If it's something that's going on with a kid and they maybe don't understand, I I can maybe get out better because of uh, me being more um, fluent in the language. What about your counterparts, uh, the the other American staff members? Did you have any preconceived notions going in? You're, you are the same age as some of them, uh, as some of the younger staff members. 
who generally age and range from 18 to 22, 23, 24. So I'm wondering how that's been for you. Do you have any real conversations about real topics? And is there anything that struck you as uh, as really unusual or interesting that you wouldn't have expected in those relationships? Not necessarily. It's not my first time being around American Jews my age. So for me, it didn't strike me any sort of weird in my conversations with them. Um, there are some that I fully connected with and I'm good friends with. Never felt a major issue. Find myself... I, I guess a bit more connecting with the older workers, maybe because of the, the connection of my family. But I, I find myself most of the time talking to them. If it's in Omanu, the workers there are amazing, and I love talking to them. Okay, as we head toward wrapping this up and kind of going back to where we started, this particular Camp Ramah, which draws from the Philadelphia and southern New Jersey area, is very... Uh, very generational. You often have third and fourth generations of families who send their kids here. Uh, you'll often have campers whose parents and grandparents were campers here. That there's a, as we say, there's a gazebo that has couple of uh, called couples gazebo that has plaques of couples who met here. As we said, you have your own deep connection here. Sometimes. Is uh, campers here very often? Campers here say that the two months they spend at Camp Rama are their best months in the year, and they come back year summer after summer for that reason. And they think of this place as the place where their best life happens. What do you think about that? For me, it is kind of weird to think of the way the system, the school system, works here, and how you just have. 10 months of school and two months of camp, 10 months of school, two months of camp without major, I don't, I guess, stress time. I think in Israel, maybe we have more time to just sit and do nothing, maybe, which of course is not nothing. I, it's also different with Israel having Sundays as the first workday which makes it a huge change because Shabbat, especially religious people, they they don't have time to go theme park stuff like that. We have holidays for that maybe, um, and that's because there's an extra day in the American uh, week week system or the, the international week system. It helps out um, having more family time or connections or stuff or time to sit around or and be lazy. I like being lazy. Um, it's very. For me, it's a bit very frantic. It's a, it's a lot it, in my in my head, but it's it's very cool to see to see how much the kids love camp and they just can't wait for it every time, and to see kids in their their happiest place. There's nothing better though than this. Do you think though that it's a particularly American experience? Could you have something like this in Israel? Do you feel like? Do you feel like American kids are very different from Israeli kids, from how you used to be, from how your siblings are, your friends? Do you feel there's a big disconnect here? Or do you feel like ultimately, not that far apart? In general, kids are kids. So I don't see uh, much of a difference. I told my, my brother who's 12, I told him, I'm, I'm just with the bunk with a bunch of you. So <laughs> I'm regular to that. 
in regards to differences between Israel and United States, again, we don't have this experience at all anywhere. There is camps. Um, they're very different in the way they're built. They're usually max two weeks. That's pretty much it. I remember being going to a summer camp. It was in a boarding school. It was actually eventually my boarding school. But uh, it was in a boarding school and we studied all day. Or most most of the most of the camps are. Also, we don't have a lot of space. I'll say before that we don't have a lot of space to have camps. The fact that you can just drive three hours from major cities and just be in huge forests and just get a get a place to have a camp, that's not a possible thing at all. And also, and what I said earlier that I started earlier was talking about summer camps in general in Israel are usually led by youth groups there's the camp of this youth group and the camp of this youth group and it's it's a very it's a very different experience camps here are more established they have their buildings they are um very very stationary they they stay the entire year and then you come back and they're kept well and i feel like camps in israel are not built like that there's not a a very specific permanent place or a very specific organization that runs summer camps. There's a summer camp of this thing, there's a summer camp of this youth group, of this school. Especially there's no over there's no night camps. There's usually only day camps. So would you come back? I know you're going into the army and you're starting a very different new chapter of your life for a few years. But I guess my question is, would you come back? Do you feel do you feel the connection that initially brought you here? Do you think it's the kind of thing that will last and will possibly draw you back here at another time in your life? Yes, for sure. I have a lot of new friends. Like I said, I really love the subject here, the faculty, and the people here that come here back every year. I, I enjoy talking to them. I enjoyed being with them. Even small stuff, I play Mahjong every Shabbat. It's one of my favorite things now. I, I really, really enjoyed being here. I really enjoyed being in Omanut. Omanut is a great space. Um, I just love seeing... I, I, I work in origami, so I just... Uh, I'm very, very... I guess I'm very good at it. I don't know. Um, and I t- teach the kids, and we go, go step by step all together. And the amount of dedication that the kids put into it, it's incredible. And it's such an amazing, it's, it's, it's an amazing sight to see how much kids put dedication to something that they like or something that they love. Um, and to see that in Omanut and in arts, it's, it's beautiful. And I, I would love to come back just because of that. Thank you very much, Ishai McGillner. It's always good for us to hear the thoughts of someone in a different place. And it makes us look at it differently and evaluate it and think about it. So thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thanks so much to Ishai McGillner. And thanks for listening to this episode of What Matters Now. Stay tuned for next week's installment. This episode was produced by the Podwaves. If you have comments about this or other episodes of What Matters Now, please drop us an email at podcast at timesofisrael.com. And of course, feel free to recommend us to other listeners and rate us wherever you find your podcasts. Until next time, take care. Take care.